This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Eric Keyless is a leading sales and marketing strategist and a co-pioneer, along with his business partner, Mike Lieberman, of a marketing methodology called Reality Marketing. It's all about how businesses can utilize cost-effective inbound marketing tactics to achieve dramatic revenue growth. Today, they're leading a revolution to change how entrepreneurs think about marketing their companies. Eric's company, Square to Marketing, was named the Inbound Agency of the Year by HubSpot in 2013. Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. You have said there's a dramatic shift occurring in buyer behavior. If you would characterize, what is that shift and how does the work you do at Square to Marketing, how are you guys addressing it? Well, never in the history of time have we had such a dramatic period where people change the way they buy stuff so much. And that's really exciting for entrepreneurs that are changing their marketing to match up with that. What we found is not that you have to spend more on marketing, but simply migrate your marketing spend into an area where people are looking for you. Uh, to give you a simple example, today people are looking for recommendations first. They're looking for referrals. Who's got a good plumber? What restaurant should I eat at? And by giving them the referral marketing that they're looking for, um, testimonials, case studies, validation, we're now simply matching up. The other change is that when people used to do traditional advertising, nobody's really looking at that. Look how people are on the do not call list or they're on the spam blockers on their email or they speed through the commercials on the shows they tape on their DVRs. We're just blocking ourselves from that traditional advertising. So once again, really uh, understanding and then migrating your spend to where people want to find you gives people an immediate lift to their marketing results. Eric, for those listening who may not know what inbound marketing means or is. What is inbound marketing? How do you define it? Sure. Well, if you ask a lot of my uh, colleagues, they usually start the conversation about inbound marketing with content. And all of our listeners today have seen white papers and tip sheets and free reports and blog posts, public re uh, press releases. All of those things are the content that truly drives an inbound marketing campaign. The problem is, is that bad content or boring content doesn't do the trick. When we look at inbound marketing, there's three components. Content, of course, but then you have to bookend it with strategy and outreach. And what I mean by strategy is simply the story that you're telling, making people go, wow, understanding the target market and what pains and problems they have and how you can solve those problems. So having a great story now can cascade down into your content. You know what to put on your website. You know what to blog about because you have some interesting stories. And then the third step, outreach, is now that we have this great story and great content, it's how do we put it in front of the right people? So for example, I was working with a client today 
and they do specific products for the power industry. And their perfect buyer are engineers who spec in their products for new projects. Our goal was to find out where those engineers hang out. And by hang out, I mean offline and online. So we found LinkedIn user groups. We found blogs that they read, magazines that they subscribe to, trade shows and conferences that they attend. And our goal then is to get that content in front of the right people, driving them back to the website, getting them to request more information, and starting the sales conversation. So inbound marketing as a three-step program, strategy, content, and outreach works perfectly and costs a lot less than traditional advertising. Eric, you've written and said, uh, and you and your partner, Mike Lieberman, have developed items called the Red and Blue Test, Being Remarkable, and the Cup of Coffee Challenge. These are unique thoughts or processes you guys have developed. Talk about each of those and, and how they fold into the work you do. Well, the problem that a lot of people have is they like to talk about themselves. So the first concept of the red and blue test kind of combats that. You know, it's easy to talk about your 23,000-square-foot facility and the fact that your family owned and operated and you've been in business 23 years. That's all easy stuff. It's really hard to talk about the pains and problems of your perspective and current clients and how you can solve those problems. So the red and blue test simply asks you to take a look at any of your marketing materials, whether it be a brochure, your website, your trade show booth, whatever. And every time you talk about yourself, circle it in red. And every time you talk about your prospective clients and what you can do to help them, circle it in blue. You have to have a lot more blue circles than red circles, obviously. Love that. Yeah, it's such a simple test that you can apply. And I would ask most people to apply it to their website first because that's really the keystone to your entire marketing program. The second one, the cup of coffee test, fights back against all the companies out there that are uh, receiving RFPs all the time. And once again, if you're receiving an RFP, your target market might be interested in doing business with you, but often you're just a column on a spreadsheet from a pricing perspective. They kind of already know who they want to work with, but they're just looking for other quotes to fill in the the spreadsheet. The cup of coffee test simply says that when you get an RFP, give the person a call. Thank them for sending you the RFP, and then ask them to have a cup of coffee to talk about the project. If they say, no, no, just return the RFP, no need for a conversation, I'm not sure I would do the work. But if they do say, yeah, come on in, this is an important project, we'd love to talk with you, well, then you can take them through your normal sales process, and your quote would just be on their RFP form. Nice. Typically, 9 out of 10 RFPs will fail the cup of coffee test, saving you a lot of time and aggravation and allowing you more time to work with the prospects that really do want to hear your story. That's cool. So it's like a, a really a built-in filtering mechanism and also an, an invitation to those issuing the RFP to engage. Hundred percent, and we found that it's much more effective, specifically with our B two B clients. And I'm sorry, what was the third one? And the third one is being remarkable. Ah, yes. So I often say that if you have nothing interesting to say about your business, <laughs> please don't spend any money on marketing. You're just going to look like everybody else. Right. Being remarkable means providing a story that makes people go, "Wow, I've never heard that before," or "Hmm, that's exactly what we've been looking for." And that obviously is a much better way to start a sales conversation than, hey, what's your lowest price? So the story of being remarkable is often punctuated by Seth Godin's book, The Purple Cow. And very quickly, if you're riding around in the country and you see a bunch of brown cows, you don't really notice them because there's nothing that interesting about another brown cow. But if you see a purple cow, you slam on the brakes, you jump out of the car, you take pictures, you put them on Facebook, you text all your friends, I'm on the phone to my mom, mom, you're not going to believe it, there's a purple cow in the middle of this field. And before you know it, there's a thousand people looking at the purple cow outside the fence. Well, that's our listeners' jobs as entrepreneurs, marketers, and small business owners is to really, really position your company as remarkable. 
That way, people in your industry talk about you. You get referrals and word of mouth, and they don't cost a dime when it comes to doing business. So once again, start with an original story and let the story do all the heavy lifting on telling uh, your prospects what you can do to help them. And as you talk about stories, Eric, where the stories come from and how they are teased out of a client or mind for the purposes of content marketing, how do you recommend that business owners or uh, managers find the stories that aren't so promotional and self-promotional, but really sort of hit that target? And this may vary from industry to industry and client to client, but some thoughts about how to gather content. Of course, we think about that a lot at Small Biz America, where I use the power of the question to tease content out of a client. But please, if you will. Sure. Now, the question actually is important. The question I would ask would be, hey, what's your biggest challenge? No purchase is ever made unless it solves a pain or a problem. And I'll say that again. No purchase is ever made unless it makes a problem go away. The Prospective clients are more than happy to tell you what their problems are. Usually they download it to you in the first five minutes of the very first sales meeting. When you're writing content, you have to consider the target market, or as we say, the persona, and what pains and problems they have. So a great example would be, uh, using our example this morning, of the engineer who wants to spec in my client's products. Yes. A, a great piece of content would be nine ways to value engineer this project because they're looking to save money. Or three creative solutions you might not have considered, dot, dot, dot. These are all the pieces of content that cascade down from an understanding of the pains and problems. Now, when you can demonstrate to someone that you can make their pain go away in a remarkable way, usually that's when people start writing checks. If you're just spraying out quotes and hoping for the lowest price, Typically, that doesn't work as well. Are there recommended, I'll call them mechanics, for creating lead generation for businesses using content? In other words, we, there's a lot of uh, information and out-of-the-box solutions around creating, for example, uh, landing pages or creating quizzes or questionnaires, if you will. Do you have preferred modalities of engagement around content that you like to recommend? Yes, Absolutely. So there's a little bit more of a science to it than there used to be. Mm. And what we do is we look at the funnel. In the funnel, there's uh, different stages of prospective clients traveling through the buying journey. Typically at the top of the funnel, when they first hear about uh, your company, they're looking for interesting stories, uh, products and services that can help them, but they're in the investigative phase. As they connect with your company and find out, hey, this might be an option for me, they start to move down through the funnel. And in the middle of the funnel, they're trying to decide which vendor. Well, now we have things like testimonials and webinars and free demos and consultations that give people the information as to why you're the obvious choice to do business with. And when they get to the bottom of the funnel, now they know they want to work with you, but now they're looking for validation. And that's where things like case studies, testimonials, rave reviews, all of those things validate why you should be the choice. The trick to creating content is to creating the right piece of content at the right stage of the buying journey. Mm -hmm. And while that can be a little bit complicated and a little bit technical, it's really important because when you show up at the right piece of content exactly at the point of the buying journey where the client is looking for that, you really stand out as the obvious choice to do business with. The other benefit of having a nice funnel where you're giving people the right content at the right point is that it actually reduces the sales cycle. So where someone used to take six months to buy, if you give them all the information in all the right spots, well, now that sales cycle gets cut down considerably because they're quickly understanding why you're the obvious choice and not so worried about, ooh, I hope I don't make the wrong choice. 
Excellent. Eric, I love the way you think about this. Thanks so much for participating and uh, for joining us this morning. And by the way, congratulations on uh, the Inbound Agency of the Year Award from HubSpot. I know that was back in 13, but it still applies. It does. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if your listeners certainly want more information, there's a ton of information on inbound marketing at squaretomarketing.com. Squaretomarketing.com is the website. Thanks again. You got it, David. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.